You're listening to an Airwave Media Podcast. What's something you learned in history class that you feel like wasn't the whole truth? Better yet, what's something you didn't learn at all that was omitted completely? That's what I like to call redacted history. My name is Andre White, the host of the Redacted History Podcast, the place where history's forgotten events, heroes, and villains get their story told, one episode at a time. The Redacted History Podcast. Real history never dies. Stream the Redacted History Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever else you get your podcasts. On July 14, 1518, a woman identified only as Frau Trophea stepped out of her house in Strasbourg, Alsace, in what is now France, and began to dance. After many hours, drenched in sweat and twitching, she finally collapsed. Then, a few hours later, she got up and started again, and then again the next day. By the third day, her feet were bruised and blood soaked through her shoes, but still she continued to dance. No one knows why she started, why she continued, or why as many as 400 people eventually joined her. The involuntary dancing continued for nearly two months, with as many as 100 people dying from exhaustion in what has become known as the Dancing Plague of 1518. You're listening to History Uncovered, brought to you by the digital publisher, All That's Interesting, where we explore all things weird and bizarre in the natural world and in the world past. I'm All That's Interesting's co-founder, Kit Westneat, and today I'll be talking about the Dancing Plague of 1518. Dancing plagues, also known as dancing manias, choreomania, St. John's Dance, and St. Vitus's Dance, actually occurred regularly throughout mainland Europe, primarily between the 14th and 17th centuries. They affected men, women, and children who would dance until collapsing from exhaustion. The earliest known outbreak of dancing mania occurred in the 7th century, and there was another major early outbreak in, in Aachen, Germany, which was then a part of the Holy Roman Empire. That occurred in 1374, just 20 years after the Black Death had devastated that area and the rest of Europe. The Aachen Plague eventually spread into the rest of the Holy Roman Empire, into what's now Belgium, France, and Luxembourg, and went all the way down to Italy. According to the reporting of physician Justus Frederick Karl Hecker, published in 1888, they form circles hand in hand, and appearing to have lost all control over their senses, continued dancing, regardless of the bystanders, for hours together, in wild delirium, until at length they fell to the ground in a state of exhaustion. They then complained of extreme oppression, and groaned, as if in the agonies of death, until they were swathed in clothes bound tightly round their waists, upon which they again recovered, and remained free from complaint until the next attack. While there were these other accounts of dancing plagues in the Middle Ages, the Strasbourg Dancing Plague of 1518 is the most well-documented, with evidence coming from doctor's notes, church sermons, and both regional and local governmental reports of the time, including the notes of a Strasbourg city council meeting. And though a lot of the documentation surrounding the case is, is a little thin due to being over 500 years old, the evidence we do have still paints a fairly compelling picture of what might have happened. An account from that time period reads, There's been a strange epidemic lately going amongst the folk, so that many in their madness began dancing which they kept up day and night without interruption, until they fell unconscious. Many have died of it. Other accounts from that era describe the dancing as neither willful nor jubilant, 
and say that the dancers actually seemed to be in agony. The town citizens were convinced that the dancers were being compelled to dance, even as they begged for it to stop. But perhaps thinking that the dancers just needed to get it out of their systems, like a fever running its course, noblemen actually encouraged the dancing. They provided guild halls for the people to dance in, enlisted musicians to play musical accompaniment, and according to some sources, even called on professional dancers to come in and partner with those afflicted to keep them on their feet. Ultimately, the Strasbourg dancing plague began to fade away in late August 1518, with some of the remaining dancers seeking relief from the curse in a shrine. In many ways, it ended just as quickly and as mysteriously as it had begun. At its peak, the epidemic claimed the lives of 15 people a day, and as many as 100 people may have danced themselves to death over the nearly two-month period. That's according to historian John Waller, an associate professor at Michigan State University's Lyman Briggs College and a leading authority on the dancing plague of 1518. But the question remains, why did so many people start dancing, and why couldn't they stop? In his book, Little Green Men, Mewing Nuns, and Headhunting Panics, sociologist Robert Bartholomew describes some common characteristics of the dancing plagues. According to Bartholomew, these plagues often involved foreigners, could include dancers parading around naked, making obscene gestures, and even fornicating in public or acting like barnyard animals. Dancers could also become violent towards observers if the observers didn't join in the dancing. Finally, dancers had strange reactions to the color red and aversion to black. This strange affinity to red and aversion to black also appeared in a similar dancing phenomenon in Italy, known as Tarantism, which was thought to be caused by a tarantula bite and mostly occurred in the warmer months. The victim of the bite would spontaneously start dancing. Often others would join in, their old bites supposedly reactivated by the heat or the music. The southern Italian dance, the Tarantella, is said to have been created as a cure for this dancing plague. Tarantism only affected Italy and southern Europe, mostly dying out by the 17th century. However, there have since been scattered cases of Tarantism, with the latest happening in 1959. A study of the 1959 Tarantism event found that most victims had not been bit by a spider, but believed that they had caught the disease from someone who had been bit, or by simply touching a spider. But because of these similarities, Tarantism is often considered as a kind of Southern European version of the dancing plague phenomenon. And several centuries after Tarantism swept Southern Europe, a dance craze of a different sort hit the United States. On March 30th, 1923, New York dance instructor Alma Cummings began waltzing around an upper Manhattan ballroom and continued dancing for 27 hours. As news of her feet spread, dance endurance competitions sprung up around the country, kicking off a new roaring 20s fad, the dance marathon. The cultural landscape of the 1920s was fertile for such contests, as previous endurance-based competitions, such as flagpole sitting and multi-day bicycle races, had proven the demand and paved the way. Almost immediately, however, dance marathons turned deadly. Two weeks after Cummings' record-setting dance, on April 14, 1923, a 27-year-old man, Homer Morehouse, collapsed on the dance floor, never to rise again. His death? The result of a grueling 87 hours of dancing. And while cities began to ban dance marathons after his death, it appears to have had little effect on their popularity. After the beginning of the Great Depression in 1929, dance marathons began to take on a new dimension. As unemployment skyrocketed, both dancers and observers now had the time to take dance marathons to a new extreme. And for the dancers, the food and shelter that the marathons provided 
often 12 meals a day, gave them all the more incentive to keep dancing in that time of want. The dance marathon record appears to have last fallen to Caleb de Villiers, a Minnesota man whose tombstone memorializes the 3,780 hours he spent dancing. Unemployed in December of 1932, he and a friend entered a dance marathon outside of Boston. They would keep moving with only a 15-minute break every hour until June 3, 1933. For these five-plus months, they received meals and a place to sleep, even if that place was often just in their partner's arms. The popularity of that contest was so great that the small Boston suburb of Somerville, where it was being held, was overrun and banned future dance marathons before Calum was even done dancing. The popularity of dance marathons, however, soon crested, and as the Great Depression deepened and World War II loomed, the feats of Alma, Homer, and Calum quickly faded into obscurity, becoming lost memories of America's own dance mania. As for the Strasbourg dancing plague of 1518, explanations vary. One popular theory says that the dancers of Strasbourg were suffering from the effects of a psychedelic fungus, ergot, which grows on the stalks of rye. But while ergotism, often cited as a potential cause behind the mania that led to the Salem witch trials, can bring on delusions and spasms that might look like dance, the other symptoms include decreased blood supply to the extremities, which would have made it very difficult for people to dance continuously for days on end. Others posit that the dancers, living in a region that was part of the Holy Roman Empire, were driven to dance by religious fervor. They could have been members of a heretical sect, although no written accounts support that, or just pious people who believed that they had incurred the wrath of St. Vitus. Because, according to legend, if angered, the Sicilian saint would send down an uncontrollable dancing plague. Meanwhile, doctors at the time ruled out astrological or supernatural causes for the dancing plague and reached a consensus that the cause was physical. They said the dancers were suffering from hot blood. In his 2008 book, A Time to Dance, A Time to Die, The Extraordinary Story of the Dancing Plague of 1518, John Waller suggests it was mass hysteria brought on by the horrific conditions in Strasbourg at the time, extreme poverty, disease, and starvation, that caused Strasbourgians to dance from stress-induced psychosis. A similar theory holds that the Dancing Plague of 1374 occurred in response to the trauma of the Black Death just a generation before. This explanation of mass psychological illness is perhaps the most plausible of the bunch and demonstrates the potential of the subconscious body and mind to take over and create havoc, not only in an individual, but also in society at large. Yet this explanation gives little comfort. If dancing plagues are caused by stress-induced mass psychosis, is it then possible that someone listening now could wake up tomorrow, start dancing, and never stop. Thanks for listening to History Uncovered. I'm History Uncovered's producer, Kit Westneat. If you like the show, help others find us by leaving a review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. And be sure to follow the All That's Interesting and History Revealed pages on Facebook and Real History Uncovered on Instagram. Make sure you don't miss out on the new episodes and subscribe to the History Uncovered podcast. And keep up with our latest stories at allthatsinteresting.com. If you have a question about the show or just want to say hi, feel free to call us at 929-526-3029. 
or email us at podcasts at allthisinteresting.com. This podcast is part of the Airwave Media Podcast Network. Visit airwavemedia.com to listen and subscribe to their other fine shows like Legends of the Old West and Redacted History. Until next time, keep exploring. love history but hate when it's stuffy and boring well look no further and join me katie charlwood your friend the neighborhood social scientist and reader of books as i delve into unsolved historical mysteries murders by gaslight and of course women who have been misrepresented through all time on who did what now the history podcast that's not your history class listen wherever you get your podcasts